You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Hello, this is the Journey Till Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Zanotti. I believe life is about the journey, not the destination. To find the journey in every step of the road, the highs and lows, the twists and turns, the ups and downs, it's in that, it's in those moments that makes life so beautiful. Our guest today has a journey of his own. Arthur Williams is best known for being the counterfeiter who successfully replicated the supposedly impossible to replicate 1996 $100 bill. Secret Service agents went after Arthur after he printed what was some has estimated to have been as much as $10 million in fake money before he eventually landed in federal prison for six and a half years. This was the third third time that he was incarcerated for his criminal endeavors that has been covered in Rolling Stone, Vice, Forbes, and featured on American Greed. His story probably does sound like the biography of a career criminal, but it was a shift in his story. There is a shift in this story, which is why I have him on this podcast, because this shift is so unbelievable. Art reinvented himself after his last time behind bars. He is a legit artist, and sticking to what he knew, he began to paint artwork. Um, about money, and he blew up. Please help me welcome Arthur Williams to the show. Arthur, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is great. Yeah. So you know, you what? actually caught me right in the middle, part of the journey. You know. Okay, <laughs> so let's talk I about that. I, I'm, I caught yeah. you in the middle of the journey. You're in your car. Tell us about why you're in your car for the interview. Well, I'm in a friend's car, a very dear friend who helped me here in LA when I came to LA, and uh. Oh, I was just, uh, I'm getting ready to, to open a new gallery on La Cienga and Melrose. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I sell my art to, to, to get, acquire uh, different things. And right now it's a gallery, right? And so um, just out trying to uh, raise the money. I needed 10 more thousand and, and I got it. Actually, while I was out here with my friends, somebody texted me and said that they had a, a buyer for a painting, sent me the painting. I sent them a couple of texts back while we were walking around and being, I sold the painting and now I got the actual money to go get my key literally right now. So I'm literally, when we're done, I'm going to drive into LA cause I'm out in Topanga and go sell the painting and then go get the keys to my new gallery. So I'm going to be a permanent resident in LA and you caught me on this moment, like going to make these moves. And, and that's what this journey's been about coming to LA is it's, I call it the domino effect right now. And the man I'm sitting with, uh, he's he was the first domino here in LA. It's kind of weird I'm sitting here right now talking to you because I, I only see him very hot, very rare because he's very busy and I'm very busy. And um, and so I needed him for some advice and, he's, and that's what he's been for me. And so, you know, again, a part of that journey has been having the good people around me to lead me to, to to things that if I work hard enough, I could be successful at. And, and that's how it all started. I met him and he introduced me to somebody. And I, I had a small little show in November when they opened up and it was just a walkthrough and people came in and one of their friends seen my art and gave me a gallery in Beverly Hills, you know, and that just recently happened. And, and that was my initial, you know, when I first came to, to LA, that's how my life started. That was eight months ago. I can't believe that much time flew by so fast, you know? And now today, the whole deal was they said, listen, Art, if you can make it here and if you can establish your family, because I got my family here, you know, I brought my two babies and wife here, that you can be, we'll get you a place permanently. And so literally today is that 
place permanently, man. Yes. So like, well, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so happy right for you. Moment, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, man. So take us a bit into your world. I would like for you to take the, our viewers and our listeners into a bit of your backstory. Um, I want to start off with you and, and printing counterfeit money to the tune of $10 million or so. How Before you actually went to prison, how did that start? How did you start? Um, how did you how did that idea even come into play into your mind to think, OK, I can actually um, make this, you know, make fake money and do it, do it to this capacity and uh, do it this well. How did that happen? Well, I, I, I grew up, um, my, my childhood was extremely difficult. When uh, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, 31st and Halstead and the projects. And, uh, and, and even at, there was a time when we were homeless for like three months and, and my mother was bipolar. So dealing with the mental illness and so um, just childhood was really, really hard, you know, and, and at, at an early age, you know, um, I, I, I just crime became a way to survive. And, and that started one day I, my, when I was coming home, my brother, my little brother, I had a little brother and a little sister. And uh, my mom was in the kitchen crying. And, and, and I asked her what happened. She said we didn't have any food. I went to the, the fridge. There was nothing in there. It was in the middle of the winter and the projects. I mean, it was just a really dark place at that time, you know, dark time. And, um, and I just ran out the house and I'm walking down Halsey Street and I'm banging on the meters, the parking meters, you know, just hitting them and hitting them. And I heard the change ringing, you know, and, and I was like, you know, it just dawned on me there was money in there. And so I started playing with the meter and started playing with the little mechanisms. And I, I realized that two of the pins, if you moved, they look like they jiggled, you know, and they, and so I figured that maybe somehow I could get in. So I went to the alley and I grabbed me a piece of metal, came back, made me this little thing that would fit in there. And I opened it up. And what do you know? The damn thing opened up and I, I started taking all the quarters, you know, and I hit a bunch of meters down Halsey Street. Matter of fact, they probably ended up changing the meters because of me. I mean, they actually ended up changing the meters, you know, shortly at maybe a few years later, the, the way they opened them, because I was robbing them for years, man, the parking meters, you know. But when I did that, I would take the change home and, and buy groceries for my mom with it, you know? So so that's that was like my first memory as a criminal, breaking into parking meters so I could buy groceries, you know? And and it, it was just like, and it started from there, you know? And then there was gangs, there was drugs, there was, you know, Southside Chicago was extremely dangerous, you know? I've had like six of my friends murdered. I've been shot. You know, I've been, you know, it's just, it was a really, really, really hard environment that people couldn't possibly understand even exists in America. It's bizarre. It is absolutely bizarre, man. And as I'm older now and more wise, and I look at even now how Chicago is, I mean, it's one of the reasons I left. I love my neighborhood. I still stayed in my inner city. I actually built my gallery on the corner of where gangbangers would kill each other, man. Everyone was telling me to build my, my gallery, you know, down on the Gold Coast on Michigan Avenue, you know. I said, no, nah, man, I'm going to stay in my, my neighborhood, man. And I, then I landed right on the very corner of where the gangs were intense, you know. So for me, it was like always going, even now, you know, I always look for ways to like go into the, and, and like let people know 
that, that, man, we can change. People can change. Art can change you. The way we treat each other. And then what do you know? When I moved on that corner, that neighborhood started, like, you could feel the energy of people excited that I was there because I made it beautiful every single night. Even on Santa Monica and Cannon, where I'm at now, when people drive by, man, they wave at me. They give me the prayer signs. I, I paint in the window, you know? I, I do it, you know, to let the people know that, man, we're still alive. We're still here. Like, that was one of the greatest things about building the gallery in Beverly Hills. Here's a kid from the projects in the south side of Chicago, man. And I just posted up right on the corner, Santa Monica and Cannon. I had no fear, you know? And it was it was a, it was a gutsy decision, you know, to 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 come here in, in September. But I knew that LA was appreciated artists, you know. I knew LA was a place that I hadn't been before. I've been to New York, I've been to Miami, I've been successful in both places, you know. But LA was always a distant land for me. It was always this distant, like dream world you heard of, you know. And then it was it was full of. A lot of unknowns, you know? Yeah. But I went ahead and made the decision and, and, and it came here. And, and man, it's been amazing. It's been glorious. Man. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So, you know, money is money and it's obviously it's capital. Um, do you ever do you ever feel the need or is there ever does it ever come to your mind a temptation to ever go back down that lane again? And, and also, the other end of that question is, what keeps you focused to not go back down that lane again, to not start printing counterfeit money again, to not go back to prison again, and to stay focused on art and doing what you're doing now, the beautiful artwork that you're doing? Well, when I, when I got out seven years ago, about two years after my release, I, I almost did go back to, to printing. I didn't know. I mean, I tried to hold a job. I couldn't really get a good job. I was a janitor. I transported cars. I worked at a, a Wurtz, a Wurtz Liquors, delivering liquor, 500 cases every morning. That's why I got guns like this, you know? <laughs> I'm built yeah. like a bull because I was delivering liquor, man. Mm -hmm. Like every morning, three in the morning, just yeah. rocking this, these liquor cases, you know, for 12 bucks an hour, man. And uh, But I did it, and I did it for two years. And, and it got to the point where, like, I, I didn't know how to how to pay my phone bill and my rent, my car payment. I was like 12 bucks an hour. I couldn't pay any of it, man. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was lucky if I paid two of the things, you know, I had yeah. to get a roommate. I got, I didn't feel like a man for two years. And, and I actually felt sorry for people who worked like that and how they couldn't. I said, I don't know how people get ahead, you know? And uh, I almost went back to it, but then, then, uh, then uh, a really good man, Joseph Cacciatore in Chicago, um, he had this lofts, Lacuna lofts, and they were doing a, an artist thing there. And uh, they were bringing artists from all over the world. And right as at the moment I was about to go back into doing a really bad thing, uh, something happened that changed my course. And it was him, you know, it was a few things. It was my wife I'm married to right now. I met her right at that moment. And she told me she was pregnant, you know, shortly after. My son had walked in on something that was unfortunate that 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 um that made me look twice and then Joseph Cacciatore came and gave me an opportunity that made me feel like a man again and and I became like the assistant there helping all the artists get their materials 
get the lifts for him. So that was like my first apprenticeship at Lacuna Lobs in Chicago with, with the old man. You know, old man Catchatori was was amazing. And, you know, it was his son who brought me over there and the old man took me in. So I, I, I was about to make a move in a bad place. And then good thing, things happened around me that made me think. So I guess it was, it was, it was things that made me think, man, what am I doing? And then good people to believe in me and love in me, love, love me enough to say, damn, I don't want to let them down, you know? And now, and that even kind of goes into your second question is what keeps me now. You know, I've been out almost eight years. I kind of freak out because I never, I've been, I was on probation since I was 12 years and I, I got off just, you know, four years ago. So I was on it for almost 30 something years, man, probation. 30 something years I was on probation. It's the first time in my life I'm not on probation. And I've been off for four years now. Like, that's what really freaks me out. Like, wow, man, I've really been out a while now. I really, because I've always wondered, when am I going to be making? I always question myself, what is success? When do I believe I'm successful? Because I always tell people the reason I fight so hard is because I'm fighting for my freedom. Mm. See, my success is what drives me to, to, to desire freedom more. Yes. You know? Cause, 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 cause for a lot of times I didn't think about being free, mm -hmm. you know? And, and now I do because I have beautiful friends. I have beautiful family. I have yeah. a wife and two kids now. And so for me, it's like my, my, my determination. I work like sometimes 18 hour days. Okay. Mm -hmm. People don't even know some of the hours that goes into trying to do it all with a gallery and an artist and meet people and socializing. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, a lot, lot of it's work. A lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work, man. Social networking, the whole thing. Yeah. And, and, and so you got to work during the day and then you got to work at night, you know? And, and I've found that balance, but you know, it, it, now it's like all come together, you know, like right now today, really, I'm going to get my key right now to my permanent place in LA. I, I, I am now here. Yes. I cemented. And it's right on La Cienga Melrose. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I'm about to paint a 70-foot mural, man. Like, it's going to be um, just a special moment right now. So the journey, right? Well, you know, the journey started in Chicago as a kid, dealing with a lot of unfortunate things, mental illness, drugs, gangs. And then I got brought into an underworld with mafiosos and printing money, you know, and became the best at it for a long time. And when I got caught, I kept my mouth shut. I went to prison and I loved, and I, I, I studied, you know, I read, I read, I read, I painted, I write, I worked out, I meditated. I made my, I wasn't, I wasn't in prison. My brain was free, man. Yeah. I learned how to paint. I learned how to write. Mm -hmm. I learned how to invent. Like I'm just getting started. The world is just now seeing me. Yes. I write books. I wrote four screenplays. I've, I got a book of inventions, man. Like Da Vinci's gallery really is the reason that my son is named Da Vinci, you know? I believe our minds could do all things. Why limit them? Absolutely. You know, when, and, I learned, and I learned that because I didn't go to school, but I'd order a book from the library. I was in the hole for nine months, right? It was terrible, but didn't see people. You got to eat out of a slot, you know? It was crazy that they do that to people, yeah. you know? And they still do it right now. Still people locked in these cells for years and years and years. And then they walk them to the door and expect them to be normal. But I was in that cell. But yeah. what I do, I was ordering books, you know? I'd order molecular biology. Shit, by the time I was done reading the 
look, man, I knew what molecular bio, I thought I knew it, you know? Yeah. And then I had a fascination for it. Then I go read about geology. Fuck, I was reading about geology and rocks for a minute, you know? And before you knew it, man, my brain knew about all these different things. I didn't go to school, but I read. I love to read. Like, people don't read enough right now. Like, even now, I read every day for like an hour, man. I go get into those words, man, and I let them just soak into my brain. And, man, it feels good. It's nourishment to me. Yeah. And, and it doesn't even matter. I'm studying DNA right now, DNA genetic shit right now. And I'm like, oh, some real crazy shit yeah. right now, man. No, you know? that's so awesome. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so it's a couple of things I want to say. I wanted to interject as you were talking. Um, one, I'm not sure if you know, but I'm I'm born and raised in Chicago, from Chicago, oh, which is one of the reasons why right. I wanted you on my show. Um, right my on, love, please. my heart is in Chicago, and so yeah. when I um, part of this show is is not just a, it's it's about the journey, uh, athletes, entertainers, but also the entrepreneur. And when I heard your story, I, I needed to have, you know, you on the show because your story is a journey and it's a shift. And I wanted to make sure the message was out there. The other component is that as you were talking, you spoke of the Cachatories. The Cachatories are clients of mine. I also worked with the yeah, Lacuna. Yeah, for several yeah. years, for three years, um, maybe three, four years um, when there was like no client. We you know, was just getting it off the ground and just doing the PR yeah. and the events in that building. Uh, the Cachatories are great. Uh, uh, senior and junior, uh, amazing people. I can't yeah. say enough about yeah. them. So I wanted, yeah. I had to make sure as you were talking yeah, that I gave love senior that way. Senior really changed my life. Oh my senior gosh, uh, me too. Um, yeah. You know, there's made so me many. a better person. Yeah. It's just great people. That's uh, awesome we got that connection. Man. Oh yeah. Wow, that's great. Great connection. Wow, man, so, that's amazing. Yeah, Chicago is a beautiful place, and um, I, 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 I enjoy the family, love the family. I enjoy Lacuna. At the time when I, when I was doing the PR for them with Lacuna, it was just starting off, so we were just getting it remember going. remember that you were in the early, early yeah, days. Yeah, early stages, and it was probably maybe like, I mean— five or 10 clients, you know, we're just getting going yeah. and starting to get it going. And it was, it was beautiful experience for several years and, um, still great people. And so I just wanted to say that as you were talking about them, just kudos to the cash yeah, yeah, yeah. and to yeah, that family yeah, in Chicago. Sure. So, sure. um, and great to see what you're doing and how you're able to take your experience from the city of Chicago, bring it here to LA, take your artwork and, um, you know, expand it and allow people to see, um, what you do. Let's talk about your artwork. What makes your artwork so unique? What would you say um, is, is the unique appeal that you offer? In, there's a lot of different things. You know, I, I mean, I, so like I treat my art like I used to treat my money, right? So I broke a lot of security features in the 100. I, matter of fact, I broke them all. The watermark, the strip, it marked with the pen. Everything that was on money, I defeated, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so then when I, when I attempt, you know, when I'm doing my art, I look at it the same way. Like I wanted to have things that have never been on art before, whether it's diamonds or 3D paint, or now I just did something so awesome yesterday where I cut this metal of my art and pulled her off and put LED lights. I mean, I did something extremely funky yesterday. I created a whole new thing, man, to blow the world away. I, I, it, I did. So now, so for my art, the uniqueness is that it's just, um, I'm always experimenting with it. So it, it's uh, it's always evolving, like when I was printing my money. And so it's never the same. It's always going through with what I'm going through, you know? And, and then it's historical, right? Like I was the best 
at one time at what I did, you know? And I and, and I didn't know what I had when I was doing it. I wouldn't be sitting here right now, right? I was printing hundos, girl, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> A lot of them, man, yeah. you know? And they worked and they worked, you know, like, da, 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 you know, so, but I was a kid. I didn't know the power that it brought, you know? Yeah. And and thank goodness, thank goodness, um, this is what came out of it. I mean, I, I still trip out because I still print $100 bills and paint on them. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I still get to print money, but now it's legal. It's truly, it's the irony in it, you know, trips me out sometimes. When I first started doing it, I got nervous, you know, but I had the treasure of the Literally, I met the, uh, the treasure of the United States man, at Arnold Schwarzenegger's house a couple of like three years ago. And, and she said she loved my art. This is the treasure of the United States, man. Here I'm a counterfeiter meeting the treasure. You know, it was a really like surreal moment. I actually I even had her sign a 20 for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I pulled out a 20. But my art, my art's going to be historical. Soon money's going to be gone. Soon paper money will no longer exist, you know, everything is going to be digital, which is just a whole nother, uh, you know, conversation and paper money will be gone. And, and my art will, will be around. Though, Uh-oh, one second, you know? I lost you. Yeah. And, and, and my, and so for me, my, my art's part of history. Yeah. You know, I'm a, his, I'm a historical figure. I was one who broke the currency, even had them when they redesigned it, that blue strip, the visual physics was designed specifically to defeat me. And I already defeated it. Not just kidding. I didn't defeat it. I mean, I might do it on a painting or something, you know, but my art is visual. When you see it, it always changes because I do interference colors, metallics, watermarks. I'll paint something and then paint something over it. And then I just do really trippy stuff, layers and layers and layers and layers. I'll print something. So, and, and then I'll walk away. If I do a collection of, of art that represents my, my, my time, you know, my, my life at the time, like I got a collection that I did six paintings. They were the circus. Then I did like five paintings. I call them the gambler and they all had their own look. Cause I'm always creating something new and those five paintings, that's it. Boom. I won't ever do any of them like that again, you know? And now I'm starting to get these little collections that over the years are starting to, people are noticing, you know? because I, I don't mass produce my stuff. I don't even sell it online. I don't even sell it on social media. I'm kind of like, I sometimes boycott social media. I won't post something for a while because all my sales are personal. Like, you know, I even kind of joke with my wife because I was like, man, Zuckerberg crazy, baby. You know, I don't even care because I, I use the real world, man. You know, and I teach people, man, man, stay in this real world a little longer, you know? And if you do, you'll be able to accomplish greatness, man. And that's what I do, you know? So I don't, I don't use social media, man, even. You go to my, I don't sell nothing really on social media. People ask me for it, but I like people to come to my gallery, look at the art, talk to me. And, and, and it's a personal thing, you know? Yeah. But I sell my art, I sell my art for a lot of money too, though. So it's like selling a car, you know? I get it. I understand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's an so, investment. So, you know. Yeah, it's an investment, man. Mm -hmm. And they get and they're investing in me, knowing that what I'm doing, what they're investing is, is for me to become, I want to become, and I'll say the best artist in an egotistic manner that I want to be better than other artists. I want to be the best artist I can become. Yes. How best can that be? You know? Yeah. If we started focusing on the best of ourselves mm -hmm. rather than think we got to be better than others, mm -hmm. right? That's where it gets twisted. 
You know, let's not best others, man. Let's best ourselves. So that's how I look at it. I don't want to be a, the best artist in general, like better than our Knopf or better than this cat. No, nah, man. Let them be the best them that they can be. And that's how I'm looking at my, my art. I want to make my art the best it possibly can be with my creative mind. And so what's happening, now I'm using space material. Now I'm using diamonds. Now I'm using metals. Mm -hmm. Since I came to L.A., that's what I love about L.A. Mm -hmm. It expanded my palette, you know? Mm -hmm. In Chicago, there wasn't much I could do. Midwest City yeah. had its structure, man, you know? But then coming out here, man, it opened up me to, you know, mm -hmm. printing equipment that I would have never have access to. Mm -hmm you know, fabrics that I would have never had. I mean, I'm a fabric master now. Yeah. All the fabric in my gallery, I hung all that, all that up myself. Yeah. I would have never done that in Chicago, you know? Yeah. So my pilot of tools, my, my metals now, I got CNC machines that are at my disposal now that I didn't have in Chicago. Yeah. And I could have went and looked, but it would have cost me a lot of money. Yeah. Here, they say, here, let them create, dude. Yeah. You know, here's the tools. So LA even opened up my, you will see like all my LA art that I'm making mm -hmm. is way different than my Chicago art. Mm -hmm. It's funky. It's, 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 it's LA. You know, I took my LA experiences and the LA tools and created, well, I'm about to open this gallery, man. And really, I'm really excited about this new art that I've been creating. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, man, my art is just evolutionary. So that's what makes it valuable that you're getting an artist who at one point will go down as not just one of the greatest counterfeits, but I'll be known as one of the best artists for what he did. You know, the counterfeiting will be an afterthought. Absolutely. You know, my, I mean, my, my whole afterthought yeah. now, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. People know it as an artist and some people don't even know about the counterfeit, which yeah. those are the moments where I feel good. When yeah. someone comes up to me, that says, Hey man, bro, I love your art. Da, da, da. And then I, I might mention something to him. And then they ask, Man, what's with the money? Oh, you don't know. That's a real cool moment for me. Those are the cool moments. When people walk in and they're like, you know, we love your art. And then they're asked what the hundreds are for. They don't know. And that that's when I know that, okay, man, you, you're, you're knocking on the door. You're knocking on the door, man. And now my goal is to help change the world, man. I want to help people that are getting out of prison. They struggle, you know? I want to help kids that are that they have nothing, you know. The thing, all, all the things that I went through, my my prayer one day is that all those things that I actually experienced, not read in a book, whether it was the mental illness, the drugs, the gangs, the prison sentences, the things I actually experienced are the things that I want to start speaking on. Because I experienced it, man. I could tell you what's wrong with it, you know. A lot better than some cat that went to Yale or something, man, that read it in a book, man. Because right now they got it wrong. Okay, well, let's, wrong, what, what's, how do we get it right? What would you say is needed to get it right? How, if this, this is the platform to speak on it, how would you speak on that? I mean, I mean the first thing, I think people got to start paying attention more and reading, you know? A lot of people just, you know, and, and and I used to do it. I got caught up into it, too. Just get this fix from the news real quick, you know. But that's not going to help it, man, you know, because because narratives are set. We have to be we have to be really in, in tune with what's happening in the world, man. Too many people are out of tune. And, and so for me, man, like I read so much on things and I'll go read university studies. You know, I read. 
especially during this whole time, I don't even really like talking about the COVID because it just everyone has their opinions and it gets twisted. I just know what I would go read, right? I'd go into medical journals and, and, and university studies of Washington, wherever there was a study, I go read the study, not go read the news article, right? A lot of people get their stuff from a news article. Me. One second. Here, I'm sorry. Me, I, I go look and read, man. I go get in depth, man. I go investigate. Now, and, and I'm so busy and I still do it. So being busy is not an excuse not to be aware, man. If anything, being busy is more of a reason to be aware, man. Because if my business of what I'm doing, my world affects my business, I need to be aware of the world that's going to affect my, my business, man. And, and so many people are so in tune with their business and not the world. It's going to, it's, it's, that's where the problem is, man. And, and, and so for me, I just, my hope is that like, you know, with mental illness, right? The homeless right now in LA is, and I've been dealing with them at the gallery almost daily. I've had someone jump over my thing running with blue socks. I've had people put their faces up to the window because I paint there. I let everyone see. So I've dealt with the homeless for like the last three months, man, in a way that people couldn't even imagine, man. Have them camp out right in front of me where I'm painting, screaming at people driving by. Like I've seen all kinds of stuff. People sleeping by the parks and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, what's going on here? Right. You know, there ha we have to be, we, we claim we can put people on the moon and Mars and electrical cars and shit, but we can't figure this out. It's, it, are we not smart enough? Is that what it is? I'd like to think we're in human beings are intellectual enough to figure this. I mean, we can figure out the electric car, but we can't figure out how to fix these people. It's not that we can't, it's that we won't. Nobody will pay attention, man. And, and it's on everything, whether it's homeless, prisons, mental illness, politics. Nobody's paying attention, man. You know, and that, and so for me, like I get, I get, I hope that people will start like paying attention, man. And caring more importantly than caring, right? You got to care then. Yeah. You know, that's the, yeah, you got to care. So. So I read well, that you, you mentioned, um, I read about Arnold Schwarzenegger and how important he was, instrumental he has been to your life. Um, can you talk about that? Um, the jump start that he has been and that he's given to your career um, and, um, I guess it started from him allowing you to come to his home. Can you tell us about that story? Yeah, no, it was cool. I, actually, I've only met him once, you know what I'm saying? But, like, that that's the cool part, like, with me, because, like, I've done things for, for Common Ground and never met him. And really, I don't even have any desire to, actually, you know? Because, like, me, I, I lived on the streets. I lived, like, a real life, you know? So, like, that's why I never really get starstruck. I do things for the reasons, right, you know? Like Arnold's, Arnold's charity, they help kids after school, you know? So if I had never met him, ever, I would still do it, right? Or even with common. But with him, he, he let me come to his house. So they weren't going to, I guess, you know, I, I met one of his people down in Miami when I went to Art Basel. And, and I did really well with them, you know? I was respectful to the, to the people. We sold the art. And so they, they invited me out to his house like four months later. And, um, and they had to make a decision on whether... I would be able to come because of my past. And um, and I wasn't there, so I don't know, but I know I was getting ready in about three weeks before the event, which I was like my hope, because even though I don't 
I don't care about meeting him because I know that in his world, me and him, we're, we could never, we're not going to be friends. You know what I'm saying? So it'd be cool to shake his hand, but I can't see being friends with him, but to go to his house, it was cool. Right. He's predator. You know, he was, uh, you know, he was all Schwarzenegger. So, so for me to go there from coming out of prison, it was like, okay, this, this is going to be a big moment. And it was, but the story was, is that they weren't going to let me go. They called me, said, man, you not, you might not be able to go, but I just kept working like I was, you know, like I was going to go. And I, I just believed in my mind that something was going to happen. And, and, and then, and then it did. They, about 10 days prior, they called, they said, Hey, you know, they left the decision up to Arnold, man. And he said, man, give him, give him a chance. Let him go. You know, let him come. And, and so I did, man. And I smoked it, man. We, we, we sold like 480,000 that night. I gave him, I gave the charity 180. And on one time I did see him, he came up to me and he hugged me and said, Hey man, really proud of you. Really proud of you what you did. Keep it up, man. No matter what, just keep moving. So it felt cool to have, you know, the Terminator hug me, man. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, all right. And and really, when he did that, even though I haven't never seen him again after that, actually, mm-hmm. I, I think I seen him once more, but didn't really talk to him. Mm-hmm. But that one moment of him hugging me and and, and, and that whole night of selling 480000 worth of art, like, yeah. this is a dude out of prison, man, that just went through hell, mm-hmm. right? And now I'm at Arnold's house, man. I remember walking down his driveway. I'll never forget it, man. I, I f- felt like I was in a dream. It was like actually right after he hugged me, man, kept and told me, man, keep it up. I walked out of his house. He had a real long driveway, and I was just walking down and crying, man. Just crying like a baby. Like, wow. Yeah. Wow, look at this shit. Yeah. Look at this shit, you know? And then to be able to help all those kids, man, because... $1,000 helps one kid per, per thing. So now I just helped 180 kids, man. Mm-hmm. That was a real crazy joy that I knew 180 kids were going to get this program. And the program was dope, you know? Yeah. What they do for these inner city kids is amazing, man. You know, hopefully the whole whole country could have like our after school all-star programs, you know? Because they, they teaching these kids what they need to know, you know? And they got a great, or- they're just organization is solid. The leadership there, Andrea, she loves me. She she mentors me. So that's where my love is. I love Andrea. She Andrea, she's the, the she's one of the coordinators there. And I don't know actually her her her, her, mm-hmm. her title, but she, I just call her. She's my she mentors me. She loves yeah. me, man. You know, and um and so she, they they just do a great job there. So you know Arnold he and then and so that was it. So like I was actually gonna do an event for him. And I still am actually to show my appreciation to him, you know, for what he did for me, even though we've never talked about it. I've never talked about it to him. I've never talked about what he, you know, mm-hmm. that moment, but he really changed the man's life. I, you know, I don't know what would have happened. I can't say that if he didn't say come that I would be here today. Right. You know, because I'm determined, but it was tough. Our, the art world's tough. Even yeah. then. I had a tough journey trying to get, be an artist, you know, getting out of prison. That's why I gave up on it. So that moment, Arnold gave me that little nudge. It was just the nudge I needed to work my ass off from there, you know? Right. Because the, the galleries, they turned me down right after that shit. I, I filed to, to go into some galleries, figuring they'd let me in because I had providence from the sales. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't let me in because of my background. You know, and so I took them up the rest of the money I had and I built a gallery in Chicago, you know, 
I said, okay, the galleries won't let me in. I'll build my own gallery. So and then I had the, it for three years. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. I was going to say, speaking of the gallery in Chicago, I know that you recently had to close down the gallery in Chicago that you built back yeah. there um, during this time of COVID. What was that like for you? How did that feel having to um, to close down that gallery in Chicago? What was the sentimental value of that um, for you? I mean, I had it for three years, you know, I, 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 I've never had an art manager. I've never had an art publisher. Mm-hmm. I know I haven't, I've, I haven't put my art on online for sale. Mm-hmm. I haven't ever solicited. I, I rarely solicited my art on, on, on social media. The gallery was where I conducted my sales. Yeah. I would make people come there. So it was a special place, you know, and, uh, and I built it with my own hands. I, I was a carpenter. I was a painter. Mm-hmm. I put the floors in, I put the lighting in, I, put the drywall on, you know, I busted the bricks with freaking sledgehammer for two days, you know, with my, yeah. you know, I put my blood, sweat and tears into it. My family sacrificed so I could pay for it. You know, so it was a three year entrepreneur artist, you know, not many artists do it cause it's hard, but I'm glad I did because it trained me to come here. Mm-hmm. That three years of having that gallery, when I popped in Beverly Hills, when they gave me the opportunity, I was confident. Hell yeah, come on. I right. smoked this. Yeah. And I did. If I wouldn't have went through those three years of training. In Chicago. That three years of struggle. Yeah. I wouldn't have been ready for L.A. Because L.A.'s tough. Yeah. I don't care if you have a, a good look and a good story and yeah. dope art. That shit ain't enough. Yeah. Better get it, man. You know, and that's what I've done here. So for me, like, that gallery there, it's, it's what caused me to be now today when I get off the phone with you. Go get the keys to my permanent gallery in LA, right? That's what that gallery meant, man. It, it it meant education. It meant special moments. It meant belief. It meant all kinds of things, you know. And to close it, God, I was heartbroken, man. I, I couldn't believe that the COVID came. I really was affected by the COVID. I really had to close the gallery because of the COVID, man. That ain't no bullshit, you know. It was the hardest decision I ever made in my life. Here I am out of prison, what, at that time, six years, seven years, feeling like I finally made it. And then and then the COVID comes and I had to close it, you know, and then grab my family and we ran to Texas for six months. I think, I mean, I traded some paintings for an RV. I'm always bartering shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I traded some paintings for an RV, threw the family in, we packed up everything and went to Texas, you know? And then, and then, and then I just knew LA would be for an artist would be the, would be the only place I felt like I could possibly continue to support my family. Yeah. And it was the best decision I ever made. It was the best decision I ever made Yeah. because now I'm world renowned, like I'm world renowned now, you know, and it was because of coming here. That's what happened, you know? I'm getting requests from all over the world now for art, right? Just literally within like the last month, it really started happening. And it freaks me and my wife out because I'm like, man, baby, we really are going to be all right now. I think we're really going to make it, man. It's about the journey. It is about the journey. I think people need to understand that Mm -hmm. it's not, um, I'm learning this too, it's not about the beautiful times in life. It is literally about those struggle moments, which is why I start off the show talking about that. I'm not just speaking those words to speak those words. I speak yeah, those words because yeah, I live yeah. those words. I've lived them yeah, and I'm still yeah, living them. 
Um, but yeah. it's those struggle times. It's those moments where the dark moments. It's those times where you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's the next yeah. moment. You don't know what's mm-hmm. next. The, it's it's yeah. that where you grow. It's that where when you make it through, you look back and you say, okay, all right. Whatever your spiritual practices, God, or uh, whatever it may be for you or for wh- whoever may be listening or watching, you look back and you understand why that happened because that is where you grow. That is where you're, le- you're learning in those moments. That dark time is a learning time. And the good times is that you're reaping from what you learned in those moments. So yeah, right it's um, you, you, you got to yeah. appreciate that time. Yeah, I appreciate it much. And actually, I was just telling some man, I'm having the funnest time of my life. Even with the struggles, because I look at them different now. Yeah. I don't look at the, the obstacles, the struggles, as something bad anymore. Yeah. I look at, at them as as okay. Let's let's get through this. Let's come on. Let's get into this ring. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Let's throw a little. Your you know? perspective changes. Yeah, it changes. You yeah. know, you, you know you're gonna get through it. You know you're gonna get through it one way or another. You know, know, I think another interesting perspective to add to the mix as you're going through, which I have recently learned, is I I now ask myself, okay, okay, what's the lesson? What is the lesson that you need me to learn from this? Because until you Mm -hmm. actually get the lesson of whatever that is, whatever the problem is, is going to keep reoccurring. So once you get the lesson, whatever that lesson is, and you understand the lesson, and you take that in, you're able to move on from that. So you got to clear the space. You got to clear the air. If that means clearing the air with another person, if it's a relationship situation, friendship, uh, romantic relationship, whatever that, or if it's, um, I don't know, a financial situation, whatever it may be that you're dealing with, you got to ask yourself, why does this situation keep happening? And once you answer that question and figure out what's the lesson in it, confront the lesson, confront it. And once you confront it and move, you're able to move past it to move to the next you know, the next space. So, so that's I, the thing about being, getting a little older, a little wiser. Yes. You learn to get from a little quicker. Yes. <laughs> so like I'm, I'm getting better at recognizing it and then moving fast. Yes. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, like I just went through a situation. I had to learn a lesson on it. Yeah. And now I'm glad I learned it early though. Right. I learned it early and now I move. Yeah. But that's it right there, man. Just, just being aware. So, well, I think my phone's about to die. Yeah, I just want to, I, I no think, no problem. I think we're going to wrap up this, the show. Um, I want to wrap up with one last thing. If you can just, I end the show with a segment that's called tell and tell, which is a play on the word Good. show and tell. What is something that you can tell our audience, a secret, if you will, about yourself uh, that no one knows about you? Um, it could be maybe your secret to how you stay positive or your morning routine or, um, I don't know. Maybe it could be for you how you let go of your past and you stay present in the present day. I'm just throwing some things out there for you, but just something that you may want to give us. I mean, well, for me, I think that I'm real spiritual. I have I have a deep sense and connection to the creator of all things, you know. And uh, so I, I pray deeply. I have a strong sense of faith. I have a prayer. It goes uh, like this. It's uh, actually I, this is something secret. I have never. I've only told a few. A few people, but it's a good prayer. It's the faith of Abraham, the strength of Samson, the heart of David, the wisdom of Solomon, the patience of Job, the healing love of Yeshua, and the will of my creator, my father in heaven, right? I say that prayer every single day when I wake up. And it, and it's and it's not even really whatever religion someone is. It's more of the characteristics of what I believe heavenly beings would be patience, 
wisdom, mm -hmm. love, yes. right? Yeah. Will, to have the will to be a good being, you know? Mm -hmm. Faith, right? So so those those things I literally live by strongly. And when I'm going through a tough time physically, maybe I'm working a lot of hours, I'll start just saying the strength to Samson, strength to Samson, right? Like I get to say it over and over in my head. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'll start to feel energy and feel strong and keep going. Or if I'm feeling down and things ain't working out right, you know, mm -hmm. I'll go to the different part of that prayer and just hold on to it. And it always gets me through, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's something secret about me that no one knows. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I got a deep, deep, deep appreciation for the universe and for consciousness and for energy, you know? So, yep, that's it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Mm -hmm. This is a beautiful conversation. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, me too. Um, it was great. It was beautiful. Well, that's yeah. it. Hopefully you got to come to the new, the new gallery. I got to send you the invite. Absolutely. Um, send me the inf inf information. I will definitely come by yeah. and check out the gallery. If someone is interested in um, in checking out the gallery or, or following your journey, how do they go about doing that? Uh, just my Instagram is my name, Arthur J. Williams Jr. And then I got a website, ArthurJWilliamsJr.com. And it has an info email there. So, yeah. So, yeah, they can reach out there. Yeah. Okay. But I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pushing some stuff out now that I got the permanent place. Like now I'm gonna go crazy, right? You gotta go. I was crazy. being a little I was being a little like conservative because over on Beverly Hills, you know. Yeah. But now I'm in a hip I'm in a hip area. Yeah. I love Beverly Hills. They were good to me, man. I love Beverly Hills. They're beautiful people to me, man. Yeah. But now I'm gonna go to Melrose and uh, you know, spice it up a little bit. Spice you know, it up. it's gonna be cool. Well, I'm excited yeah. to right. see the spice. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us. I really appreciate it. Sure. Well, that's right. it. You have a good one. You too. Well, that's it for this episode of The Journey Told. I'm going to leave you with words that I so often say on the end of every episode, and that's to be the best you that you can be. Let that sizzle in your spirit. Until next time, folks. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.